Shall pray. Father, we are here today to worship you, to express our love for you, to thank you for godly mothers who nurtured us and brought us to church, and to dedicate ourselves to raising our children and grandchildren in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Father, thank you for entrusting us with your creations, even for a season, and help us use the opportunities and resources you've provided to train them up well. Be with us this hour in worship. Be in our midst, Father. Speak of your love and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. This is a parent-child dedication service. We're doing this three times a year now because of the abundance of babies the Lord is blessing us with. We do this for a number of reasons, primarily because Jesus was dedicated in the temple at in an early age as a child in Luke chapter 2. We also want to take this opportunity just to thank God for these creations, for the gift that only he can create. And also as a church and as parents covenant together to rely on God's grace and provide guidance for these children and instruction and discipline towards salvation and growth in their knowledge of the Lord. And finally, just to pray and ask God's richest blessings upon each of them, remembering how Jesus took a child on his knee and blessed it. Deuteronomy 4, 6 and 7 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And from Mark 9 verse 36, Jesus took a child and put him in the midst of them and taking them in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me and whoever receives me receives not only me, but him who sent me. We're introducing four new children into our church family. They belong to us all. They belong to God. And we are here to welcome them. This is Connor and Bridget Bowen, and this is Philip Connor Bowen. And he shall be called Philip. We want to introduce Philip to you. Let's walk over this way. What do you think, Philip? He's sizing y'all up, can you tell? We will be your church family, and we look forward to loving you and telling you about Jesus and how much he loves you. Well, just come on out and say what you think. It's precious. He lets you know, doesn't he? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Bless you. He's precious. Congratulations. Beautiful son. This is Adam and Aaron Davis, and this is Miss Olivia Brooke Davis. Oh, my goodness. Let's see, sweetie. And her name is Olivia. You just wanted me to hold you, didn't you? Can y'all see Olivia? And Olivia, we want to welcome you into our church as well and tell you of our love. Are you sleepy? Uh-oh. 
We're still a little low. We want to keep her hair out of her eyes. Okay. Post <laughs> down again. You beautiful little girl. Thank Congratulations. You. This is Chris and Jade Kelly, and this is Jadson Case Kelly, and his name is Case. Look, Case. Can you see everybody? Sometimes I think when they're looking, you ever notice how babies look up in the corner of the room? You know what they're doing? They're watching angels dance. So you, see, you still see angels, can't you? And we welcome Case to our church family. Two daughters and a son now. Congratulations. This is Scott and Danielle Tubbs. And this is Reed Samuel. And it's Reed. Hey, Reed. He's going to keep his eye on y'all, I think. And we welcome Reed into our church family, too. Reed, we will help your parents tell you about Jesus. <laughs> and we look forward to it. What do you want to see? He wants to see somebody, doesn't he? Yeah. Congratulations. We'll read the responsive reading in your uh, bulletins. If you'll take those out, and parents. Do you parents acknowledge that the gift of life is something only God can give and that it is truly one of the greatest gifts of all? Do you recognize the awesome responsibility that comes with that gift, the responsibility of raising your child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Do you hereby commit yourselves to being the kind of parents God intends and that your children will require so that they will grow to know Jesus as their friend and will learn of his love for them and one day might profess their own faith in him and follow him as Lord and Savior? Then if you, church family, realize and accept your responsibility in helping to raise these children and provide the kind of environment that will point them to Christ and show them his love, will you join me in standing? Do you likewise commit yourselves to seek to fulfill this awesome and wonderful responsibility? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we look at these four beautiful children before us, Philip and Olivia and Case and read, and we thank you for their families. We thank you for their grandparents and aunts and uncles that have gathered here. And we thank you for this church family that is coming around them now to embrace them and love them in such a way that will convince them that there is a heavenly Father who loves them, who sent his Son to die for their sins, to be their Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you for our parents who taught us and for the opportunity we will have for a few years perhaps, not only to teach these children, but to live our lives in such a way that will draw them to you. Help us always 
Hold high the cross of Jesus, knowing that it will draw them to you and help us to live our lives in such a way that we'll do the same. Bless their homes, their parents. Father, keep them happy and together and safe. Bless these children with healthy and happy lives that will come from living in the center of your will and fulfilling your purpose for them. Let us all do all we can in our power and wisdom and strength to nurture them toward you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be seated.
Welcome to worship at First Baptist Church Tifton. My name is Doug Byer and I'm a member of the family here at First Baptist. And I would like to thank you for joining us today. We thank God for you and consider it a blessing to have the opportunity to worship together. Our prayer is that you experience God through His Holy Spirit as we share the message of the forgiveness, healing, and salvation that is only through the power of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about receiving Jesus as your personal Savior, or if you have a prayer request, please give us a call at 382-6063. We have counselors standing by, so please don't hesitate to call. If you would like to know more about the wonderful Bible studies, worship opportunities, and children and youth ministries, please visit our website at www.fbctifton.org. Again, thank you for joining us today in worship at First Baptist Church Tifton. We give all the praise and the glory to Jesus Christ. May God bless you. Good morning, boys and girls. How are you today? Good. Good. Is that all? Can you, are you any, so you can say, I'm great. How are you today? I'm good. Good. Okay. What day is today? Mother's, Mother's day. day. What did you do for your moms? You gave her what? A towel. Okay. A gift. A gift. Did you hug her and squeeze her and kiss her and tell her, thank you for being my mama? Say, you're doing a great job, Mom. Look at me. <laughs> I'm the only one that thinks that's funny, isn't it? <laughs> all right. Well, it's Mother's Day, so it's a day to honor our mothers. And we're grateful for all of them that are here today because without them, you wouldn't be here. So that's exciting. Kate Berry had the Happy Club bag. And let's see what Miss Kate put in this bag for Brother Wayne today on Mother's Day. Maybe it has something to do with mothers. I don't know. Kate, what is it? A Bible. A Bible? What is it? A special Bible? Is it a special Bible? Tell me, you know anything about it? It's my Bible. Your granddaddy's daddy's Bible. Is that right? So your great grandfather's Bible? Is it a special Bible? 
Y'all know what kind of Bible this is? This is a war edition of the Bible because it has a metal cover to it. It says, may this keep you safe from harm. They issued these Bibles during the war and they would keep them in their, in their jacket pocket and occasionally one of them would stop a bullet and save a life. Let me see if I can read the inscription from Ida M. Berry, Tifton, Georgia, Route 5 to W.I. Berry, 130 Naval something barracks. The Fleet Post Office, San Francisco, California. So he must have been on a ship in the Navy and he got this Bible from his father and it has the metal cover to protect them while they served in the war. So, you know, the Bible, the Bible tells us that it's, it's like a shield and it protects us in so many ways. And this Bible literally is a shield because it protects soldiers who are out getting shot at and maybe, just maybe, this Bible stopped a bullet and saved a man's life. We know it does that in war. We also know this good book saves our lives when we give our hearts and lives to Jesus. Boys and girls on Mother's Day, I know that's what your moms and your grandmoms and all your families would want one day for you to know Jesus is Lord and Savior and this Bible to save you from your sins. Let's pray right now and thank God, not only for these Bibles that um, saved lives in the war, but for his word that continues to save us today. Let's pray. I'll pray and you pray after me. Dear God, thank you for the Bible that saves our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Kate, this is a really neat Bible. I hope you hold on to that and take very special care of it because what it represents in your family's life. It's a boy's turn, Miss Sabina. Okay, you're not, you're not having children's church? Not having children's church. And so boys and girls, you can sit with your mothers on Mother's Day. And, and you say Samuel Sheffield? Has the happy club. Will you take it, buddy, and bring me back something special next Sunday? Thank you. Boys and girls, go back and sit with your families on Mother's Day. Thank you, Kate. It's a verse where Joshua had to make a decision. And he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Will you stand as we sing, God, give us Christian homes. Please stand.
day for those Christian homes, Lord, especially for those Christian mothers, Lord, that had such an influence and impact upon our lives. Lord, I ask you just to bless them in a special way this day, Lord. Lord, you've also blessed us materially, and we come to that part of the service in which we come before you to give back just a small portion of what you've blessed us with, Lord, and we ask that you just take it, use it to further your kingdom both here and around the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, choir. Well, happy Mother's Day. Hope you're having a wonderful day. I'm just curious, how many mothers here this morning are 70 years of age or older? Raise your hand. Wow. 80 years of age or older? Raise your hand. 90 years of age or older? Is there a hand up anywhere? Elizabeth, 90. Elizabeth Jordan. Who else in the back? Someone? Is that Gwen Carmichael? Congratulations. I'm going to applaud y'all being here today. What a godly witness. These women, I'm sure, were in church in their younger years, 80 years, 90 years. They're still in God's house worshiping him. What an example for all of us and for their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Lest I forget, there are uh, Shoney's coupons for our mothers for a piece of strawberry pie. When you leave here today, our ushers will have them available for you. Proverbs 22, 6. You know I don't like to preach a sermon on one verse because it's so easy to take a verse out of context. But this verse is pretty well self-contained, and it has an important truth in it, a golden nugget. It says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We're going to dissect this verse today and try to understand what it says to us. Shall we bow? Father, we are in your house today, many of us because from infancy we were brought to church by our parents and taught not only by words but by example the importance of worshiping you with our lives. Others of us are here this morning because we have come along the way to realize your love for us like a father's love. You have forgiven us and saved us and we are here to honor you. Whatever occasion brings us here, Father, teach us this morning the importance of raising our children in the way they should go. So as they mature, they will turn to you and rely on you and always come home to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Children are both a privilege and a responsibility. What does the Bible say about children The Bible describes children in Psalm 127.3. It says, Behold, children are a gift, or some translations say heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. The word gift or heritage there is a word that means property or possession. And it came to mean the idea of giving an assignment to someone. Parents, you have been given an assignment by God to raise your children. They are his possessions assigned to us to raise. We're just stewards over them. We are just managers over property that belongs to him, raising our children on God's behalf according to his instructions. So these children did not belong to us. They belong to God. He has given them to us for a few years. They're not ours to keep. They're not ours to mold or try to bend into our image. Nor are they ours to neglect or abuse. 
Children from the very moment of conception belong to God. They are his creations. They are his possessions. And he blessed us by entrusting us with them for a few years. I thought about this this week. It's kind of like parents when you go off and you have a babysitter and you give them a list of instructions, don't you? Pretty explicit. Feed them at this time. Bathe them. Put them to bed. Whatever you have to do, if you have a problem, if you have a question, what? Call me. Give me a call. Here's the phone number. God says the same thing to you, parents. These are my children, God says. You are babysitting them for me. Here are the instructions. Proverbs 22, 6 is a good instruction. Do this. Some other things contained in the Bible are instructions. If you have a question, God says, call me. You can pray, you can read the Bible, and God will clarify any further challenges or problems you might have in babysitting his children. He gives us very specific instructions here, how we are to care for his possessions, which are on loan to us. And the clearest statement is here in Proverbs 22, 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, what? He'll not depart from it. It has a lot of good truths here about parenting. It's pretty simple. I have an outline. I love it when a verse falls out into an outline like this. I've divided it up into the what, the how, and the why. The what has three parts to it. What are we supposed to do? What are we required to do as God's babysitters? He says train up a child. And, and the word train here means three different things. First of all, it comes from the root word that means palate or roof of the mouth or gums in Hebrew. It originally meant, uh, to, it was used as a term for breaking and bringing into submission a horse by putting a rope in its mouth. So it's like a bridle. It has to do with discipline. Part of a parent's responsibility is to discipline the child. Proverbs, you skip over to verse 15, it tells us why. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Folly or foolishness here does not mean lighthearted fun or telling jokes or having a good sense of humor. Folly, foolishness in the Bible is a spiritual problem. It describes Here's an example. Psalm 14.1. The fool says in his heart, what? There is no God. So foolishness is a spiritual problem. It describes a person who is immoral, who's disrespectful toward God, who mocks God. And the Bible teaches that there is within all of us a tendency toward rebellion and disobedience and mockery. It's called original sin. Every child is born with these tendencies. And God has given parents the responsibility to remove that from the life of the child by disciplining them with consistency and firmness and giving them some boundaries. Let me tell you, children are desperate to know what their boundaries are in life. They want to know them. And if you tell them a boundary, here's a line, don't cross that line. What's a child going to do? Get right as close to it as they possibly can and maybe stick their toe over just to see if you mean it just to see if you'll be consistent in disciplining them with those boundaries. I, I read a, a study one time about horses. 
And I think about this a lot when it comes to children. They, they did a study of horses, and not surprisingly, they found that horses that had a fence, that knew what the boundaries were, were a lot more contented than horses that just ran wild. I don't want to compare children to horses, but I think that truth carries over. Children are happy when they know there's a boundary and when they know what those boundaries are. So train up a child means to provide them some structure and discipline with consistency. Make it clear for them what behavior is acceptable and what behavior is not because every child is going to exhibit unacceptable behavior and they don't know it's unacceptable. They need somebody to tell them. They're desperate to hear that. Please do not hear me advocating child abuse. Parents can go too far in discipline if they do it in anger or impulse. But the Bible tells us we are to discipline our children because we love them too much to allow them to act in unacceptable ways. If we do not discipline them, then we will dump them on a society that will, and the society will not have as much mercy as we will have. And they will learn those boundaries in jail one day. I, I told you this about a year ago. I was called for grand jury here in Tiff County. Fortunately, we were dismissed when a plea agreement was reached about 30 seconds before the trial was scheduled to begin, as they often are. And the judge came out and he gave us some pretty startling statistics. He said that in our world today, about one in 40 people are in some kind of custodial care. That means in jail, uh, on work release, on probation, under house arrest, some kind of custodial care. One in 40. In the United States, it's one in 30. What do you think that it is in Georgia? One in 13. In Georgia, those parents have abdicated their responsibility of raising their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And the children have to learn those boundaries somewhere. We all know someone who's not disciplined a child. They cut up, they're disrespectful, and, and, and we look at the parents, and the parents turn their heads as if it's cute. And now those children are trying to adjust to society because it's not cute when they misbehave as adults. The word train not only means to discipline, it also has a positive side to it. In Solomon's day, the word train was used to describe the action of a midwife who would actually crush some dates and put her finger in that juice and rub the gums of the newborn child in order to create a sucking sensation. So it came to mean to develop a thirst for or stimulate an appetite for. It's the positive side of parental responsibility. We aren't, we aren't only to discipline our children by teaching them what is off limits and unacceptable, we're also to develop our children by creating within them a hunger and thirst for what is good. Discipline out the bad, develop in the good. So discipline, develop, and that leads to the third thing. As time went by, it meant to bring into submission and develop a thirst. It came to, to mean dedicate or consecrate to. That's the spiritual side of physical of parental responsibility. Not only remove from our children the tendency toward rebelliousness, but also develop a taste for what is good and then point them, I mentioned this last week, 
point them to God. Do everything you can as soon as you can to help your children come into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. When does this responsibility start? It starts the moment the child is born. Actually, I think you can read the Bible to them while they're still a fetus because they they say now that they can hear. They can hear music. I think they can hear God's word. They can hear the name Jesus. And when they're born, that name will have positive connotations that will carry with them throughout their lives. We begin to plant seeds that we eventually hope will blossom into a personal faith in the life of that child. So discipline, develop, dedicate. That is the what of our responsibility. Now the how. How are we to do it? What's the proper method for disciplining and developing and dedicating children in the proper way? What does it say? Train up a child in the way he should go. I like that the New American Standard has a margin. It says, um, according to his way. Train up a child according to his way. And then the Amplified Bible makes it even clearer. It says, train up a child in keeping with his individual gift or bent. You know, there are two ways you can parent. You can say, I'm the parent. I know what's right. I know the way my child has to live. And I'm going to teach my child that way no matter what. There's another way that says, my child is unique. Made that way by God. There's an individual bent that God has given this child a unique personality that God has formed in this child, and I'm going to observe my child and listen and watch and be sensitive and alert so I can discover his own personal way, and I'm going to pattern my parenting accordingly. I think this is what the biblical writer is trying to tell us. Realize that every child is special, every child is distinct, every child is unique. And so you need to discipline them in accordance with their individual bent or way. First of all, you have to know your child. Secondly, you have to understand them and appreciate their uniqueness. And you know that. Parents have twins. One child you can discipline and they'll still look at you defiantly. The second child, you you can give them a mean look and they'll start crying. It's it's two distinct individuals and you can't parent every child the exact same way. Their problems are different. Their priorities are unique. Their perspectives are different. They have a different bent, a different way. The Bible says God made them unique. So our pattern of disciplining children, developing children, and dedicating them is according to their individual bent and their specific uniqueness. They have to be treated differently as a result. So that's the how. Thirdly, why? Why do we do it? When parents take that responsibility and discipline and develop and dedicate their children, when they do it from the perspective of understanding the uniqueness of their child, why do you do it? Why is it so important? Proverbs 22.6 says, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 127.3 says, so there'll be a blessing that will bring joy to the heart of their parents. Usually when we 
interpret this verse when he's, oh, will not depart from it, we usually say something like this. If you teach your child what's right, then after they sow their wild oats and rebel for a season and then reach old age, eventually he will recover and come home as an old man to God. But that isn't at all what the Bible's saying. The word translated old literally means hair on the chin. So when your child starts growing hair on the chin, what does that mean? When he matures, when he grows up. You don't start growing a beard when you're 90. Although in my case, that might be, that might be true. A child begins growing a beard when he matures. So the result of proper parenting is not so the child will eventually return to God in their old age. So proper parenting will prepare your child and equip him to love and serve God as they grow up into adulthood. As your children grow up, if they're bent in the right way, they will grow to love and serve the Lord. And and you've seen this. I've thought about this in my senior adult sermons. I say a senior adult is what they are when they were younger, only more so. And I think of a tree that starts to bend. If your tree is bending a little bit this way when you're young, it's going to bend even more as you grow older. If you are sort of mean and nasty when you're young, you're going to be really mean and nasty when you're old. But if you're kind and gentle and loving when you're young, you're going to be even more loving and kind and gentle in your senior adult years. That's why it's so important when they're children to make sure that twig starts to bend in the right way. And you know as well as I do what children learn in their youth, they will carry with them their entire lives. That's why I believe children's Bible drill is so important. First of all, they can memorize so much more easily than you or I, but what they memorize is utterly essential to their spiritual growth and will sustain them and carry them throughout their lives. So often I have hearkened back to verses I memorized in high school and college, and these children going through Bible drill will do the same thing when a difficulty comes up. Whenever parents do what this author of Proverbs advises, by getting to know their children well enough to understand their individual bent, and then discipline and develop and dedicate them according to that bent, and prepare to serve them as adults, serve God as adults when they leave home, then our children will be what God intends, blessings which bring joy to the hearts of their parents, Psalm 127.3. So this is God's plan for parenting. Train up a child in keeping with his individual bent, and when he matures, he will not depart from it. I heard a story about a mother who was laboring in the kitchen to prepare a special dish for dinner that night, special recipe. Her little boy was running around giving her fits, in and out of the kitchen, just ignoring his mother's threats and warnings. Finally, he bumped into the table and knocked the dish off the table onto the floor, and his mother grabbed a broom and started chasing him. He ran outside the house and underneath the house, and she gave up 
and decided that, he, that she would let her husband deal with him when he got home. When he arrived home from work, she yelled, you take care of your son. He made a mess in here and he's hiding under the house. So the father crawled under the house to look around. Finally, he saw two bright eyes peeping out from behind one of the pillars and he heard a soft little voice say, Dad, is she after you too? <laughs> you don't have to be after your children all the time. Just love them. And as I mentioned last week, point them to God. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Parents, I know you want the very best for your children. You give them things. You would, you would lay down your life for them. But you can give them something no one else can. A Christian home. Christian parents. And there's nothing any more important for the eternal well-being of your children. Those are God's instructions list that he has left for us babysitters until he comes to pick them up again. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for entrusting us with children. Help us to love them enough to provide the energy and the time and the interest to invest in them things that have been invested in us. Time for discipline, developing, and dedication toward you. Forgive us for where we failed. None of us are perfect all the time. And oftentimes when our children make mistakes, we feel responsible. But even then, they are individuals. And there comes a time when they have to take responsibility for their actions. Help us prepare them for that time as best we can. Thank you that even faults and all, you still love us. You still love our children. And sent Jesus to die for them. We praise you for that quality of unconditional love. In Jesus' name, amen. We had two precious children make professions of faith in the early service this morning, Francis Raines and Jackson Strickland. And we welcome them into our church family upon that profession of faith. And the doors are open to you today. If you'd like to profess that faith, rededicate your life, join this church. It's important that you've made that decision privately. But the Bible also teaches us it's important that you share it publicly. So if you have a decision to make. You come. I'll be at the front to receive you. We're going to sing Living for Jesus. You come as we stand together.